When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film. Today, we're going all the way back to 1987 to talk about a rom-com called Moonstruck. Moonstruck is directed by Norman Jewison, which I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Sometimes it happens and I'm like, oh, I know. Uh, like, I immediately I know who the fuck this guy is. Uh, he this this man won an Academy Award in three different decades. For the Heat of the Night in 1967, Fiddler on the Roof 1971, and Moonstruck 1987. I've now seen all three. He also directed the OG Thomas Crown Affair, Jesus Christ Supercar. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> that Jesus Chrysler Supercar, yeah. Catholic racing movie, uh. <laughs> and Rollerball. It was written by John Patrick Shanley, uh, Shanley rather, who uh, turned out wrote one of my favorite movies of all time, Joe versus the Volcano. Huh. Uh, he also wrote Congo and Doubt, um, the recent Philip Seymour Hoffman joint. Uh, well, I guess it's not recent; it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. Starring Cher, she got one word. She needs no introduction. It's Cher. Nicholas Cage. He's got two two names. Needs no introduction. Not the bald move crowd. Mm-hmm. Not 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 with the the, the Nick Cage fan, film film fest under our belts. Uh, Vincent Gardinia, uh, who was in The Hustler and Grease Lightning. Olympia Dukakis, uh, who I've seen in Working Girl, Steel Magnolias, and Look Who's Talking. Danny Aiello uh, from Leon the Professional and Godfather Part 2. And John Mahoney, who everyone knows as Frasier's papa yep. from the hit show Frasier. I liked Moonstruck. Uh, I remember this has got one of the most memorable like movie posters of all time. The giant moon over New York City with Cher mm. doing like her, you know, hair back and she's in her fancy uh, Met Gala. Uh, well, I guess Met uh, opera dress. Um, and I had no idea what to expect. I was expecting something a little bit more serious and dramatic. Uh-huh. But this is kind of almost a rom-com farce. There is a few like really grounded moments of sweetness, but it's a lot of people just acting crazy in love. Yeah, I, I expected something more serious, too, because the whole reason we did this movie as a prestige film is because it won Oscars. Um, it didn't win Best Picture, but it won Oscars for Cher. It Dominated. won Oscars uh, for a couple of other people. Olympia Dukakis won uh yeah, and it was nominated for Best Picture. And we we're like, okay, this, you know, we've heard of this movie and it's got some acclaim, so let's do it. And I expected something more serious. I didn't think the Academy would be nominating quirky romantic comedies for yeah. Oscars, but they did, apparently, because this is not a very serious movie at all. It has moments of serious. It's it's a like a philosophically serious movie, maybe. Occasionally, you know, there's like it's saying things about love and yeah. There's a lot of things. I, it's also just crazy romantic and like and I keep on. <laughs> this is part of the Baldwin lexicon in the Anna Green Gable sense. Like, mm. there's very few depictions of what I would say are like what I would describe as like healthy relationships and mature relationships. Uh, maybe Ray and Rosie 
uh is one of those ones the the brother uh the, the brother of the dad no no it's the brother of olympia dukakis and his wife um okay yeah 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 because he was telling the story about cosmos the guy coming to court his sister um i i don't know there's just a lot it's like a lot of different stories there's some big performances some funny performances um, some poignant scenes and there's, it's very much like just a set of different scenes showing different combinations of older people and various stages of love and heartbreak and uh reconciliation and it also felt like a big like kind of like a, a stage play and that like you kind of kind of like in that way that there's like these kind of disconnected scenes um different settings and then it all comes into like a big climax like it's just like this big big overstuffed scene where all the movie's business gets 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 settled uh in like five minutes um but i i liked it i liked it this movie is having not seen any of them as far as i'm aware of uh this is a movie that feels like what i imagine a woody allen movie to be am Mm. i wrong about that I've not seen many Woody Allen Woody Allen films because I saw a couple when I was in that kind of like AFI top 100 and I'm like this sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Uh, and this the tone of this movie is so bizarre to me. Um maybe because I was expecting something out of this movie more serious. And so like when Danny Aiello shows up in these first scenes with Cher and his performance is so strange and awkward if this were like an actual serious film but it's not quite funny enough for me to be like okay this is obviously not supposed to be serious i just couldn't tell what he was doing and so i was really thrown off for the first like 10 minutes of this movie going what am i watching and it was really only when you get to some of the family stuff that i started going okay this is actually a a rom-com more than anything it's it's a comedy not a serious film uh and and the farce and you know all those things it it just took me a long time to settle into what this movie was doing because it was so different from what i expected or what i thought this movie was going to be yeah yeah i I guess i i thought i didn't i didn't expect this much like of a serious performance from share i thought it would be um I thought it'd be like zanier or like a more broadly comedic, but I thought she's like a really good protagonist. She feels like the only real person in this entire movie. That's a good uh, except way for to Olympia Dukakis, who feels very real as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody else is just a uh, this caricature of a human this, being. This movie also reminds me a lot of like, uh, did you ever see that big fat or my big big fat Greek wedding? No. Where it's like it's all around this woman who's kind of like being carried around by circumstances uh, and she's propelled by this like super colorful family and extended family that has like, you know, quintessentially, uh, you know, they're they're American immigrant uh, family where it's like. You know, the grandpa's like fucking essentially still living in the on the islands, and then the dad is kind of, and then the 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 share and the the Nick Cage is kind of like more or less American. I, I, it had a lot of that kind of DNA in it, and I like mm-hmm. that. I like because uh, I have a big, colorful, extended family who's a bunch of fucking rednecks from the hills of Indiana, uh, and like 
there's always a similar energy to that kind of arrangement when you've got mm-hmm. intergener intergenerational uh, people who have been like uh, started at the bottom floor of like a, a man and kind of worked their way up. And some people have made yeah, it, some yeah. people haven't. And some people have gotten their arms cut off in a <laughs> tragic bread slicing accident and they're bitter about it. And I, I, I like that. It feels it, it feels like, uh, you know, uh, being over at my granddad's house for um, uh, a big family get together or something. So I always like movies that have these kind of big, boisterous, larger than life images or uh, uh, families. It's also a pretty um fantastical movie it's it's that's the romantic part that you're talking about is where like the moonstruck concept comes in right where uh, there's some whimsy there um mm. and i think that's the part i liked the most is the the concept of being moonstruck and tying it to uh you know love and the the physical act of love right uh, in some of these scenes uh the amore that dean martin's singing about it also ties in the theme like, you know, like uh, they, they uh, there's like a almost a beauty and the beast thing because uh, Nick Cage is described as an the animal wolf. on several uh, occasions. Yeah, he's uh, a wolf. wolf and he's going to eat a person up and he's going to chew his own leg off. And there's this uh, that's that's one of the themes. Um, yeah, it transforms you, right? Like it, it's something physical that happens to you that you can't help but. And they they say it you know it turns the men into wolves, but it also attracts the women, right? The women come to you during the the moonstruck phase. I, I don't know the, during Cosmo's moon, I think is what he calls it. Right at some point because yeah, he yeah. saw his brother outside the window with one of these moons, and he uh, he drug it over from his. Yeah, I don't know what he was for... doing outside that window. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a is this John Cusack saying his anything ass. kind of thing, or is this it's like he's just bared his big white ass? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, this, these, these kind of themes of like, you know, transformation and like some some of the, the monstrous nature of love, because like Nick Cage yes. gives this yeah. like uh, pitch for it that sounds terrible. Like, you know, love's not supposed to be uh, nice. Love's supposed to tear us apart and, and yeah. ruin us. And we're supposed to fall in love with the wrong people. All this There is this um, another tension in the movie is this concept of like love versus fear, you know, Um like, why do men chase women? Because they're afraid of death. You know, why uh, and, and why do people worry about it? Because they're afraid the person's going to lo- lose them. And you're afraid to, if you don't do things right, then you'll be cursed. Um, versus just, you know, giving in and, and, and putting aside all the fears about how ridiculous you'll look and just 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 go be in the moment. Um that long, I, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know how much of that advice I agree with, but it's a, like that. That's the nice thing about these yeah. uh, kind of comical farces is like you don't have to take a like a super strong position on it. It's just you know, Ro- Rosie and Ray are really cute in this movie. There's there that's the couple that uh, they're at the window, and uh, he's like, you know, in this in this moonlight uh, with that look on your face, you look twenty five. Uh, and I think there's an element of truth to to all of the various depictions of love in this film, right? I mean, Olympia Dukakis is is more along the lines of what I think of as love, which is uh, loyalty and and building a life around someone, right? Like when her her husband says, "Like uh, my life's built on nothing," she's like, "The fuck, dude? Am I nothing? Am I like? Is your family nothing? Is your daughter nothing? Has has the last fifty years or however long they've been together been nothing?" Because she's yeah. viewing it from a different angle, right? He's he's fearful. He's worried that like somehow he's not a man in his old age or something, or that 
you know, he hasn't, I don't know, boned enough chicks or something. Who, who knows? But like, it, it, there's that element too, right? Where like love is, is passion also. And you see that in the Nick Cage share relationship where passion what, just overrides logic. Um, it seems like there's something in that, that like that theme that speaks to Norman Jewison. Cause that's a bit, that's one of the central things in Fiddler on the Roof, you know, the two Tevya and his wife, you know, or that were in this arranged marriage and, you know, they're older, they're, they're girl, his, their girls are all nearing marrying age and they're older and grayer. And, you know, he's kind of, uh, they're poor. And there's a scene in the middle of the movie where he's like, do you even love me? Cause like, did we, you know, like his, his daughters are not wanting to do the arranged marriage. They want to marry whoever they love. And like, what is this bullshit love? You get signed by the matchmaker and there's this whole duet where it's like, do you love me? And she's like, you know, I've washed your clothes for 25 years. I've buried your children. I've milked your cows. I've done. The, and like, it's a big, but do you love me? It's like, I put up with your bullshit. I've done. And at the end of this, like they do realize that like after this whole life that they've got thrust together, they have built something that yeah. is enduring in love. But there's also contrast to people who they They were the lucky ones that kind of like were able to, to navigate that. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. The, the range marriage shit is bogus, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like that kind of like, what does it mean? to be in love and the, the two facets, the fact that like mm-hmm. the moonstruck, like very young person, like I need to like climb inside your skin uh, and like be that close <laughs> sure. to you and like just ra- ravenous, you know, uh-huh. uh, versus the mature, the what, what, what you're left with at the end of a long life together. And some people value it and some people scorn it. It's, it's interesting. It's uh, really interesting. And some people are afraid of it. Right. I mean, some that's, that's of part it. of this movie. It's yeah, it's uh that, that's the part of the movie I like the part that deals with um, the different concepts of love uh, and how all of those things are a certain type of love. And, you know, it, it's probably good that you feel all of them, not just one, because I don't know where Cher and Nicolas Cage go from here uh, where Ronnie and Loretta end up. But this is certainly a, a high powered start to their relationship. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and, and but it has to be more than that, right? Because it it, it could be another bread slicer incident. What well, he's still got a hand to lose. If the other hand goes in the bread slicer, then suddenly he's blaming her for it, and she's out the door, and oh, that passion saying, turns like if, into if, if, anger, and oh all yeah, that you, stuff. Right? There's got to be something else there. If you try to analyze this relationship outside of the bounds of the movie, there's so many like oh no like the idea no, that no. like they're like a, like he's like the you know we were never I was never fully living my life until I met you and like like anytime you meet someone for the first time and it's both kind of a rebound and you're saying shit like oh, you're the one piece in my life that's completely like this flashing red lights and all uh-huh. but but it, it I think it works in the framework of the movie should should I give it like a broad description of what this movie is about if people are like what the hell is this 40 year old movie starring uh, yeah. Cher and Nick Cage it's all about um, Moonstruck is about uh, you said her name is Lonnie Loretta I think Lori is that what they call her it's, it's Cher sure it's Cher uh, she's a middle aged woman a dev- divorcee um, whose husband died when they were, she married young the husband died uh, she's kind of afraid that her life is cursed. She's with this man now, Johnny, who treats her okay and you know can provide for her okay. He's and, a dipshit, and, and and he's just like you know, and he mar- and and he proposes marriage because he's about to go overseas to visit his, his sick mother. And before he goes off, he asks her to invite his brother. They've had a rupture, and he wants to settle he settle this at their wedding. 
So she agrees. Turns out his brother is Nick Cage, mm-hmm. who is an animal and has lost his hand in a tragic bread slicing accident and is really mad that I lost my hand. I lost my woman. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his woman and he does the Nick Cage thing. And you think Uh. and like that's the thing that all the interactions is like her realizing this guy is a beast of a man. But there's also that charisma. That's something that like there's there is that kind of like animal need that she feels towards uh uh, uh, Nick Cage, she doesn't feel towards his brother Johnny. So, is it Ronnie? Yeah, it's Ronnie and Johnny. Yeah, Ronnie and Johnny, yeah. Ronnie and Johnny. Uh, and uh, the movie is them kind of dancing around the idea of being in a relationship. Because, like, that's so inappropriate. I've, I'm betrothed to your brother. Mm-hmm. And versus, like, you well, we're both kind of miserable. Why don't we go for it? And uh, then yeah, literally the, other the thing- next day after getting uh, engaged, she sleeps with his brother. So, yeah, yeah. And it's like the the escalation that happens there is like out of nowhere. Uh, but the, so that's half of the movie. The other half of the movie is all the relationships orbiting around this one. The relationship between uh, Cher's mom and her father. The relationship between her mother's brother and their uh, his wife. Uh, the relationship between her grandfather and this fa- um, uh, the relationship that her mother forms outside. Like bo- both her mother and father form outside the marriage and in, in ways that are kind of scandalous and ways that are not. Like there's mm-hmm. tons and tons. It's it's kind of like saying that the uh, Pulp Fiction is about uh, Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. Cool. Yeah. Nick Cage and 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 uh, uh, shares relationship is that main plot that ties everything together but there's just a whole lot of shit going on mm-hmm. uh, in the margins of this film and uh, again it's like uh, it's a really great performance um, and there's all, like a lot of the stuff is like in this movie set up around dualities too yeah is that uh, like there's a scene where she talks about the, when Johnny proposes to her she's like you got to get down on your knees because that's what people do and you got to promise me like I the uh, her first marriage she describes as cursed because it was a young love and they got married at a courthouse in front of strangers and there's no family involved and their father didn't bless it and the husband died and she's been so it's like she's afraid that to get this curse and then like there's another scene like 10 minutes after she goes through this impassioned thing about how she can't because she's avoiding this curse where she finds this old woman who is actively hexing this airplane. It's taking her sister across. Uh, I think it's in, it's, I think it's actually her, maybe her boyfriend's in there too, her fiance, but he she's is, taking yeah. it to the old country and she stole her, her man like 40 years ago. She's just like, I curse. I want this plane to fall out of the sky and crash into the city or drown in the ocean. And she's going on and on and on. And like, shares just looking at her and she's like, well, I don't believe in curses, which is funny because we just saw in the other scene how terribly afraid she is of this curse. Yeah. And then the old lady says, "Yeah, me either. And I just thought that was like, it's such a, such a great, it's, 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 it's kind of um, a lot of this movie in a microcosm because people get worked up mm-hmm. over nothing. And then the resolution is just kind of like a shrug. Yeah, you're right. I should probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, some I, I don't think we talked about this on the podcast proper because it's something we were kind of yucking about in the uh, the Twitch pre-show. You're an Italian American. I am. Yeah. What's it? And, and your dad. That's what. So we're talking about like your dad's not not in this movie. No, my He's, dad is the the brother Cosmo's brother. Yeah, uh, I know we've we've talked about much. it from time to time, but your dad is like very much an Italian American. Yeah, like you know he's he's got the, he the looks New York. Like it. 
he talks like yeah he grew up in new york um yeah yeah in the, or in the like, 40s and 50s so like he, he really does look like a character in the periphery of like a godfather or a goodfellas movie or you know if you don't want to go gangster sure. then of a moonstruck um <laughs> yeah how does it feel like do you because i you, you, how much of your family is like him is he kind of like like parachuted into a normal waspy family no no <laughs> well I, my my immediate family yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He didn't like preserve many of the traditions if if he right. had them as a kid. And I, his his no mother, pasta yeah, cooler. No, none of the like you know stereotypically Italian things. I, I had uh, a pretty midwestern kid life or whatever. Um, uh, and his mother is not Italian, so like his father's Italian came over uh, from. Italy in the 20s or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, married a woman who's just like French or something. I I don't know. I don't know what she wow, was. Controversial. Um, it's early assimilator, you know, going. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, they didn't. Didn't like try and find stick a nice with, Italian girl, oh, stand Italian down girl and... settled down. Yeah. None of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, so I, I did not have like a very Italian upbringing, but I could see that he was a lot closer to it than I was for sure. Like he, I could picture his house being far more Italian when he was a kid than mine was Um, Mm. something along the lines of this, but not, but not all the way to like a Godfather level type of Italian. Right. Cause this is somewhere in the middle. This is not extremely Italian. It's a ton of generations too. You can see like every time you go step back, it's a little bit more Italian and Mm -hmm. towards grandpa still speaking like full on Italian, like Italian sentences and, yeah, I'm more of the share in this movie, and he would definitely be closer to uh, a Cosmo or a. I don't know his brother's name. I think it's Ray. I think it's Rosie and Ray. Ray, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, but Rosie might be the Olympia's Dukakis. I wasn't sure. Um, but uh, uh, I, can't, I can't find it. Yeah, it's probably Ray. He's the only one without yeah. a picture on IMDb. So yeah, but I don't know. I got a big kick out of that. Um, it feels right though. This felt like uh, someone who was writing about something he sort of knew about. Um, and I don't know what Shanley's background is. I didn't look that up, but it, it felt right. It felt like a family has been here for a few generations now and still, you know, feels roughly Italian because it's it's a tight knit family. I mean, that's the other thing, right? They're all living together. Yeah. They, they all live together in one house. And so... I would think those traditions would be preserved a lot more than if they had spread out. There's a lot in the early, uh, early goings where I was wondering why things were happening, like out of the blue, you'd cut away. And it's before I knew the characters really well. It's like, I just met her father and then, you know, and, and around the dinner table. And then I see him taking this woman out or then he has a sales scene where he's trying, he's a plumber. He's trying to upsell copper pipes on people and he's telling this to another woman. I'm like, what is this the same? Like, is this somebody? Cause is, is the dad the same as the person who's selling? And is it, and they introduce this concept very early on before I felt any way about the characters of her father having an affair. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's like, what the fuck is this? But like, they set a lot of those things in motion, like in the very early going. So it can all kind of like go to come to a head in like the, the third act and mm-hmm. the, the resolution. Um, but still, that all came together at the end. Like I said, there's, like there's a scene at the end around the, the the dinner table where like all the family hash gets settled. 
I don't know exactly where they were going with it, though, because there is some good stuff from Olympia Dukakis, especially when she's got Fraser's dad kind of like roasting in a in in, in that the scene at the dinner. Um, but like the resolution of that of like, hey, you know what? Stop, stop cheating on me and go to confession. I felt like that felt pretty hollow and kind of not worth it. Like what? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what's the alternative? Like, she just blows up that relationship after this amount of time. And where does that leave the family? Where does that leave her? Where It doesn't feel like anything got fixed. Like her saying, like, you're afraid to die. You're still going to die or something like that. And, and him being like, oh, I'm a man whose life is built on nothing. And she's like, I, I don't know. It just. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to take that in like comedies. Right. Um, like and especially are, are a magical really... realism comedy where like maybe she can yeah. just ask the guy and he'll do be like oh you know what uh, you're right I'll give it all up exactly like the moon I'll has passed for... right and may, maybe like now that he's not in the the werewolf mode of the full phase moon he can kind of come back to earth and back to his family and with just a word but yeah I, I don't know there are a couple of moments that feel weird like that for me like one of the biggest kind of letdowns of this movie is the scene at the opera where Hmm. I expected more from the comedy in this scene. I expected more from what's clearly set up to be a a moment of tension, right? Where like, uh Oh, these two couples who aren't supposed to be together are both at the same opera. And there's not, there's not much. It's It's just a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Hey, you know, you didn't see me. I didn't see you. And then they turn and leave and, and I, I know that's not like the resolution. I know that's, but I expected more from that scene and I didn't get it. Yeah. It's a couple even like where like, uh, I thought I was like, cause there's been, there's a couple like, um, standout scenes. Anytime Nick Cage is yelling and screaming about love or his life, I think is good. Uh, Olympia Dukakis kind of like monologuing to Frazier's dad and Frazier's dad monologuing about, you know, his version mm-hmm. of destructive love. All that stuff is really good. But then at the end, it's like everything felt very like, you know, um, there's you're right. This is another example of like, oh, God, the whole movie, this brother has been in Italy and all this shit has happened. Like you're not you're essentially right. you're you've been cucked by your brother, uh, pre-cucked uh, <laughs> by your brother. Uh, everything's got to turned against you. And like he's heading over and she's nervous. And then Nick cage is heading over and it's nervous. And, and like, this is a thundercloud about to go off. And then grandpa comes down and issues this pronouncement about the, and, and then Olympia Dukakis says, I want you to stop cheating. And the dad gets up (laughs) and he bangs his fists on the table. My, oh shit. This old man's about to uncork. We're about to get this, an Oscar speech. And he, he sits down and he goes, Okay, like there's a lot uh-huh. of those, and I maybe those are actually funny because I did laugh when, funny. like I because I was kind of like yeah I'm like okay this is the end like this is good this will be some fucking fireworks and the other brother <laughs> hasn't even arrived yet and it just does exactly. it just kind of I, I do the, love that scene that that the the actual climax of this movie in the kitchen is pretty brilliant I thought um, just the way that like the layers come because you think that first knock like they set it up Johnny's coming in the morning right he's gonna yeah. be here and he's gotta talk to you yeah and, yeah and I knew what what was up I knew that he was like I can't go through with the wedding because this is a rom-com and everything has to work out but like the way that they layer in all these different people Ronnie shows up and it's like oh fuck now he's sitting at the table when Johnny comes home and is 
it, it, this is going to be disastrous. Uh-huh. And then the dad comes in and, he, you know, he's been cheating and the mom confronts him about it. And there's just so many things that are piling on and piling on. And so when Johnny comes in, you're like, oh, fuck, this is going to be great. And then it just kind of goes nowhere, you know, and. And it's funny because like there's like the scene where uh, John like she's like trying to figure out how she can extract herself. And Johnny's like, you know, my mother's made a miraculous recovery. Got to call off the wedding. And then mm-hmm. Cher gets like indignant. Right. And then Nick Cage has got the like, what are what are you saying? And, you know, she throws the ring back at him and then needs to get it back they, they, I, yeah, I love this part yeah where ronnie then turns to her and is like loretta will you marry me <laughs> she's yeah. like yes and then he borrows the ring he borrows his brother's ring which she just gave back to him to propose to her to get engaged yeah it's it's a little bit that uh, like shakespeare's much ado about nothing where it's like you know the whole play they've been building all these different tensions and fart scenarios and it comes to head and then it's like oh well who you know like a like people- a uh, Cohen Brothers movie or something, right? Yeah. Like, what the hell did all this mean? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple times where I think you're you're right, or the movie starts feeling like it's building to a dramatic thing, and then the movie just deflates it. You know, like like let's like, no, nah, this is just a comedy. We're not going to be. And I, I feel like yeah, if they made Moon Struck in 2021, it would have some somber places, and m- maybe uh, it would be a little bit more in the dramedy, but. Yeah, for an Oscar-winning film, this was a lot solid me into like uh, almost as closer to farce than it was to dramedy for sure. Yeah, slapstick even in places like literally like when Cher slapped Nick Cage. I don't know what they use for the foley, but it's like the <laughs> it's the loudest, most cartoonish slap I've I've ever heard yeah. in, in the history of, of man. Did you? I, I got a couple things. Um, do you like looking at the moon? Do you just like ever like do you, do you, do you go out? How often do you go outside a week? Number one, uh, in the last few years. But number two, do you ever mm-hmm. like, do you like looking up at the moon and being like, oh wow, it's really pretty tonight, or it's a different color, or it's like this phase or that phase? On occasion, but not. Yeah, I don't track the moon. If that's what you're asking, no. We're big in this in our family. Like we will text each other when there's like an especially great moon. And like two nights ago, there was like the barest sliver of a moon I've ever seen. Like it's like you could uh, it it's. Jack tried to deny it was the moon at first. He's like, there's no fuck. Cause it was also like still kind of daylight. So it's twilight. And it's like, you're not, but like, no, that's like definitely, I love looking at the moon for a moon movie called moonstruck from this, uh, well-regarded a director and cinematography photographer, the moon photography blew ass. <laughs> Your moon looks like shit. It does. It has no fee. I kept on waiting for like, oh, they're going to surely turn the F stop down and get some. It's just a big fucking white disc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so washed out. It could have been a fake. And you could tell it wasn't. But it's like bad moon photography. What the fuck? You can't have a a movie called Moonstruck about how beautiful the moon is. And all the the other thing is like they really lit the characters in the moonlight like they were kind Mm -hmm. of glowing. And it was that like cold white light. And it really suits a lot of the skin tones of the actors that they they picked, and it looked great. But the moon itself was garbage, um, <laughs> and it kind of ruined yeah. some of the the. I liked the the what was I seeing like the old man walking off his dogs and trying to get him to howl, mm-hmm. and the old couple being cute and Nick Cage being crazy. But the the moon photography was just I don't know. Yeah, it was like man in the moon stuff. It's just like this washed washed out white 
Nothing. Yeah. They had the technology to make good moonshots, right? Back then. Like, it wasn't like, oh, there's just the film can't resolve it. It's just against the night sky. Like, I. I mean, uh, we, we kind of like, used... like the astronauts. You couldn't see the stars on the the surface of the moon because the like they, they did not have the range back then. Or <laughs> damn, I'm sure Armstrong had some Polaroids or something. He could have lent them at that point. <laughs> so yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Could have just rotoscoped some NASA we, shit we in there. Landed on the thing. Let's get some good pictures <laughs> of it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing. Did mm-hmm. you notice anything about Nick Cage's teeth? Yeah, his teeth are fucked in this movie. Do you know the story behind that? I don't. It's probably some lunatic thing that he did. He probably had his own teeth pulled and separated and yes! shit for this. Okay. No, get out of here. So for um, the movie before this, which I think was called Ronnie or Lonnie, coincidentally, uh, he played a Vietnam vet that gets tortured by the Viet Cong. <laughs> no, no. And he had babies. So some people don't have adult teeth to come in for certain teeth. Like I had a friend that like uh, their one of their premolars were their baby teeth. And they eventually had to be pulled uh, or capped or something. You have to do something because your baby teeth are not designed for the long haul. So sure. anyway, his eye teeth is his canines uh, are were baby teeth and he was going to be tortured. He wanted these pulled with no anesthetic. <laughs> get fucked to, <laughs> to get into the mind of this guy. And then I guess he thought that light that 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 look suited this role that he's no. lost a hand. He's down on his luck and he's skid. No, so no. he kept the snake. He kept the missing teeth is to kind of suggest. And then, you know, then he got him fixed after that. He's supposed to but, be a wolf. He needs his canines, man. Well, but it's like a, a wolf that's already chewed his leg off, right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he was a he was a young, strong, proud wolf now, but now he's balding and he's uh, missing yeah, some teeth. Yeah, he looks like his... a schlub in this movie. He looks terrible in this movie uh, to, to the point where I'm, like, not sure why Cher is so attracted to him other than his animalistic moon magic. I thought I actually so so. I wondered that, too, until we got to the the opera scene. That this is a guy who's got like hidden mm, gotcha. layers and like rope, like like uh, her. It's, it's such a contrast to Johnny, who is not only what you see he is, but probably even less than that. Yeah, you know, you're probably making assumptions about a default man that is is probably he's deficient in a few areas. Where like this For guy's sure. got like you know you you see this guy missing his hand, missing his teeth, he's shoving dough into an oven. You're like this guy's not the guy's going to go to the Met and watch an uh, an opera. Yeah, and he is, and when he shows up, and he's got a tux on and a night coat, and a, which, which still looks like shit. But okay, <laughs> I thought no, I thought he pulled it off because like the thing God. is, it's like she did too. She like got her. She know, looks this, great. Yeah. yeah, she got her hair dyed, and she got her hair did. She got a new dress, some new shoes, and she was like, and he kind of rose to the occasion. I kind of thought that he might just show up in like the wife beater he's been rocking oh, in God. every other scene. Uh huh. But no, because like, but. Also, like, that's the thing where it's like, well, that's the magical realism because this guy in this situation absolutely does not go to the opera. No fucking way. Probably not. Yeah, but but I did appreciate that about him. You know, that he wasn't a one note character. He's something more than that. Um, But boy, I'm not sure I'm convinced that the performance that Nicolas Cage gives here is good. I think I I enjoy the scenes that he's in, but not because of how good they are, just because they're Nick Cage being crazy, especially in the the bread scene where he's talking about I lost my hand. I lost my girl. Yeah, (laughs) that shit's crazy. And I love it. 
Um, and I had actually seen that scene before when we were putting together the season of the cage and I was doing the yeah. trailer. That's one of them, of course, mm, that I pulled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, don't think I used it, but uh, in the scene where he like convinces her the second time to go to bed with him. That's the scene where he says, love, don't make things nice. It ruins everything. That's the scene you're talking about. Yes. All right. I was not feeling his performance at all in this scene. I thought it was too weird to be convincing. Weird. Because it felt like a man just the delivery, the line himself with desperation. Like, like if he didn't, if this didn't happen tonight, he was going to combust. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I get that they had set that up during the movie, and I, I, that's fine. Like the spe- there's nothing wrong with the speech. I think you know a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with the sentiment or feel the sentiment or whatever. But the speech is fine. He just doesn't deliver the lines like they needed to be delivered, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's just Nick Cage. He never does anything conventionally, and most of the time it ends up working better than if you got some normal actor in there. <laughs> Yeah, this is just an occasion where I don't think it did. Uh, I thought that the the Frazier's dad scene with Limpy Dukakis was like really insightful. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of like like he just like the patheticness of a situation that he um, is so old and devoid of anything new and young uh, and anything new and vital. Actually, I'm trying to avoid the word saying the word young. He's ecstatic. And the only thing that changes is every once in a while he'll see a pretty face in his class. He's a professor and she's so full and she doesn't know. And, and like she's she has everything's new to her. It's another way to say she's naive and inexperienced. And it's very easy, very easy to impress her with like, you know, his life experience and education. And there's always a moment where he realizes that they've realized that he's an old used up husk bag. And <laughs> and then he's like, it's like then the cycle repeats. And I'm like, well, you dumb asshole. Stop dating 20 year olds like you're 55 years old. You're a tenured professor like you got another 10 years of this and time's going to be up fucking buddy like yeah you're looking good now but eventually you're going to look like Cosmo so yeah and and like and and also the the reason they're making these realizations is not just because you're an old used up windbag but because they're realizing that you are using them you're like uh, I heard uh, Lena Dunham of all people was on a podcast with Bill Simmons and she mentioned this about there's guys in Hollywood who she called their light stealers that like young people come on the scene and they're full of like energy and and like these are, these are like emotional vampires that like latch that's on exactly and so like right. and that's what he's doing and and I I just like thank god that this movie like Olympia Caucus was like Cause I thought they're going to be like, Oh, this is the, this is good. They're going to get moonstruck and this is going to be kind mm-hmm. of like a whole deal. But like, nah, she's like, I know who I am and I know who you are. And, uh, I'm, I'm so glad because like, I thought that they were going to force a December, November relationship on that. I'm like, no, no, that's not what he needs. Yeah, no, I he agree. Date people's own fucking age and his own experience level and, 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 or not be such a shit, not, 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 not suck the juice and marrow out of his, his young conquests. Uh, one of those two. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a tragic character. I think, um, yeah, what, what he needs is probably to just figure out who he is. Um, and, and uh, appreciate the thing that he has built, right? Like he's, he's a professor. He's, uh, well educated. He's well learned. He, is a guy who should be very confident and very comfortable in his own skin, but he seems the opposite, right? He seems very like, lazy. Yeah. I, I mean, he's right. smooth. He, he's, yeah. he's like a, a, 
a good talker. He's attractive. Um, he's he's well put together, but like he's still searching for he's still pining for a, a bygone era, right? For him, a different time. And I think that's the tragedy of this is not the like, you know, it, it's not great that he is like trying to latch on and suck the life out of these younger women. But the thing that he's really doing here, uh-huh. I think, is trying to recapture something about himself from that time. Mm-hmm. So, but that would require it's, it's, real change, change and transformation, and working on his act to like impress people yeah. who are not He's like, a completely wet behind the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I think, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong. But what I got out of that speech, and and maybe I misinterpreted it. But what I got out of that speech is that he, when he sees these young women in his class, he's picturing himself there. And, and there's yeah i think i think he literally says that like i i see them and i see me in in their position in their chair right when he was fresh and young and learning things um that that's that's what excites him about these relationships is that he right. can get something of himself back yeah yeah and it's like it is like a um uh, from time to time i get to hang out with young people my son's a teenager and i've got a uh, you know a uh, friends in the, their 20s and 30s and it is interesting to hang out with people with different generations and experience levels because you get different perspectives and it, it mm-hmm. does keep you like from like going but like yeah, this guy's uh going a little a bit above and beyond uh you know because i think that's his his problem right as he wants to continue to recapture that experience because he doesn't know how to do it in his own he doesn't know how to stay vital in his own life Sure. Yeah, that and he doesn't know how to be comfortable with the loss of vitality that naturally happens either. Mm. Right. Whereas Olympia Dukakis, I think, trans transmutes that into a sort of uh, a life that has been and a life that is currently. But like the the things that she's built along the way with that vitality are important and precious to her. Whereas he's he doesn't seem to feel like he's built anything. Spheres death. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Death and hell. Whereas Nick Cage doesn't doesn't fear death, doesn't fear burning in hell. There's like a, there's, there's a lot of contrast. Like I said, I've only seen this movie once. I imagine if I watched it more, and I, I could probably watch it again because Cecily wanted to, and she missed it. So I'll probably end up watching it again in a weekend coming soon. But like I, I imagine there's a lot of like nice gems and symmetries there, where it's like you've got the 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 men who are no good in the film and they're, they're deficient versus the men who are alive and present and vital. And it's not just about age because, like I said, the um ray is one of the good ones i think Uh he's old as shit yeah uh it's also speaking of like (laughs) except in the right light then he's something like we talked about the i think every piece of the puzzle coming at the at that the dinner scene except for the aunt and uncle come in and accuse her of stealing the robbing the store right and she just forgot. And she's like, oh, shit, back. I forgot the deposit. Like, I didn't even know that was a dilemma. And they come into the summer uh-huh. like it's like every I, that's got to be part of the comedy. Right. Like there's like six different beats yeah. in 10 minutes where you're like, oh, the shoe's going to drop or like what? Because like I thought for a split second, I'm like, oh, my God, did she steal their money to give herself her makeover? Exactly. That, that's what I assumed had happened when she and was I'm like, doing why? this. Is this happening? Like, oh, this is such a weird. And then it's like, oh, no, it's it's uh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I just got so moonstruck. I forgot to make the deposit. Here it is. Oh, we never suspected it. Like, right. What right. the fuck? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. That's that's the that's the vitality that the movie has, and Fraser's dad is missing. So I didn't feel like it sucked the life out of me. I felt like it injected life into me. Yeah, and that's why I say I, <laughs> through I, his life injector. You know, I, I don't want to say that I don't like this movie. I think there are some odd choices, and I think mm. Cosmo's dad or Cosmo's dad, Cher's uh, dad, Cosmo, is m- maybe the he's him and Danny Aiello are both putting in very strange performances for me. Cosmo is trying to be Italian Rodney Dangerfield and it's not fucking working for me at all. <laughs> like just watch him. He's he's Rodney Dangerfield is yeah, what he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I yeah, pipe can't get any respect. <laughs> right. Danny Aiello's choices in this movie. Okay, what so are I so I wanted, strange. What did you think cuz I thought uh that's uh that's John he's right? like yeah, and he's calling from Italy or Sicily or whatever. He's like, "I'm calling from my mother's deathbed." Wasn't that um, sheer I thought so I thought so that's a scene that I thought confused and I rewound it and watched it. Uh-huh. Um is that not a I thought that was maybe a fantasy sequence. The Cher is imagining what is going on it feels like fantasy because she's relating she's relating the phone call she had and like she couldn't believe how like loud her mother was crying and then it was like in her mind's eye she's picturing her him standing at it and like you know seeing his angelic mother losing life and him just bursting out into tears and i i yeah i thought that was like what uh, it was but i hated every second of that like raising arizona scenes where like he's being stalked by this the 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 biker dude like there's some Uh like some enhanced reality shit going on Um, maybe maybe i thought i thought it was all real and i thought it all sucked was that the only one that because i thought he was like his whole his his whole uh proposal scene too yeah his, his whole his whole role in this film was to be a plain corned beef sandwich like no salad dressing, no cheese, no lettuce, tomato. I just couldn't He's tell just... if any of his stuff was supposed to be comedy or serious, especially early on, because I'm like, it's I don't know what this slow. movie is yet. And when he's talking about, like, I'll ruin my suit if I get down on the fucking Stromboli covered floor of this Italian restaurant or whatever the yeah, hell it is. How, how like, filthy is this fucking... knee, man. You're not going to yeah. ruin a suit. I don't care how you're expensive that Italian suit is. But like, right. it's also like, I guess how, what she was willing to settle he, but, for. But then he fucking knee walks across the damn thing up and down the aisles. Right. So yeah, I'm like, okay, a, well maybe you will ruin a suit doing that. A, you idiot. He puts on a show, but I, I, mean, I don't I'm know. So, I, I hated his performance in this. I've seen him in things that I like him in, but not this. I'm so curious to see what you would make of Joe versus the volcano, because that's got a lot of like, it's I think it's hilarious, but it's also got a lot of those like in betweener questionable like uh, offbeat things that I might drive you crazy. I don't know. And it's uh, the screenplay is the same guy. So I see a lot of like Joe versus the volcano DNA in like uh, trying to find the absurdity, like like the absurdity of these weird situations like this guy who says, oh, I don't want to. But then you're right. Like a normal guy gets down on one knee and proposes but a normal guy would have a ring and have thought about it for three right. seconds. And but yeah. he's making up by like, you know, fucking goose stepping on his knees up, up and down the Stromboli alley. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, so. So, yeah. But I think that's again, there's like some there's there's some deliberate like, you know, she's asking for something normal. And she's not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> no, she'll never get it with that guy. Are you, you know, kidding me? but like but 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 like the the. 
the the form itself is more important than its function. Like, you know, I, I need a proper proposal, and a proper proposal has to have a ring. Oh, I got my pinky ring. Oh, it's got to be on one knees. Oh, I'm strutting on my knees. It's got to it's got to have a time and date a month from now. And it's you know, like it's 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 it's, it's like like a, like a speed running for settling. You know. Sure. Yeah. No, it was that. I'm just glad that he disappears for most of this movie because I think he was easily the weakest character. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's he's a yeah. He's just uh, he's the least nuanced character. He's he's a plot mechanic is what he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. So he is Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Except for when we see him, we're not happy. No. Uh, What else we got to say about Moonstruck? The only other thing. I want to know the behind the scenes that I hope exists is what did Nicolas Cage's hand look like after the bread slicer incident? Did it come out as slices? Like a bread slicer is going to slice a whole bunch of times vertically, right? I imagine it just fell away like a cartoon in, in meat slices. Like I thought thick the prosthetic- slabs of sandwich meat. <laughs> He's uh, the, the, I, I thought the prosthetic was really nice looking. It wasn't too. bad, yeah. I mean, like it, like usually those things that clearly fit over an actor's hand are like twice the size. But uh-huh. for whatever reason, this, this thing must have been like the thinnest veneer. But it looked like, yeah, it looked like he was missing his hand. He yeah, just had this and thing then Cage just acts it right. He never moves that that hand. I don't know. Like well, I was trying to think of like, what, is it, do you think a bread slicer is like a whole loaf operation? I assume like a simultaneously yeah. you just pull down and just like. Because I guess I was thinking it was like, I don't know, if you go to deli bread, do they slice it? Like, do you want a, do you want a thick slice? want a thin slice? I, I I thought it'd be kind of like that. Like, Does the deli you know, slice like, bread for you? I've never had. Well, I. Where the hell was he slicing bread? Is he like a, there's a bread factory? In, in the I, shop, I assume. But. Huh. Yeah, I've never seen like a deli bread that comes like pre-sliced usually it's like if you either get the shit that's in the so maybe mm-hmm. he's working a bread factory i don't know yeah i maybe. was just assumed no. that yeah he was like essentially uh like the deli you know like right <laughs> you don't have the bologna slicer that does them all at once you, <laughs> you, you kind of like rocket through the thing but, yeah uh, maybe maybe but then how did he lose his whole damn hand like you cut once and you're done you can lose a oh, couple of fingertips true. but like that's true you're not gonna lose your whole hand he was slicing really one distracted slicer. no no <laughs> this, it had this to be that, all at once this thing that johnny was doing was so distracting like it kept him like busy for 30 it's like oh my god i sliced myself to the stop stop now johnny right. you no, got no, you no. cut your hand oh god i it's funny, like, cause I um, sometimes I see Nick Cage's earlier work, cause like my like my repu- my <laughs> going into Nick Cage, uh, I, I kind of he kind of like e- erupted onto my radar in uh, uh, what was it? It was uh, The Rock. Yeah, it Con was. Air. That was the was that the first one in the Con Air came that like face, in, face off face off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this run in the ni- late '90s and early aughts where he was like kind of like this action star. Um, unlikely action star and I'd always thought oh he's got this like prestigious past and background that right. he's well regarded but every time I see the foundational works I'm like he's never not been a crazy person yeah. how did anyone if he didn't have uh, Coppola blood Coppola yeah. blood running through his veins would he be anywhere or anything he would because not. it's all insane shit it's all insane shit it is yeah um, it, but I I love that about his back catalog too it, it, it yeah. gets to the heart of a f- just fucking crazy actor 
who who has ideas. He has big fucking ideas when he comes into these roles. He's like, I'm going to make this thing my own (laughs) and you are going to remember this. Yeah. And and in a way that he he can't do today because now he is Nicolas Cage. And every time I go back to one of these old roles where he wasn't Nicolas Cage, uh, I, I just, I'm so happy to see a new Nicolas Cage performance that I haven't seen before mm. because there's always something, there's always something. He never comes into one of these movies and is just a dude, right? That's the thing. He's not a character actor, but he's damn near close to not being a leading man because he does like you're right. He's yeah. got all these crazy, pro- but it's not a character actor because he's not playing a character or I, <laughs> a stock character. Do you know what I mean? Like when I think yeah. of character actor, I'm like, oh, you got to plays. You need a guy who plays a salesman. You right. Need a guy you need play- the schlubby brother. You need, the you need this guy. You need that whatever. guy. You need, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's never going to give you what you hired him for either right he's going to give you whatever Not, he feels yeah. like giving you on the day and that's the thing yeah yeah, yeah. that's and what makes great. his performances so fun to watch because i i was like i always thought like his best stuff was like in the earlier but like you know um i guess he was making his best stuff like stuff like the weatherman stuff like uh, leaving uh, uh las vegas like this was all happening yeah. in that same era so like his kind of like high water mark as far as critical acclaim came at the same time he was doing all this schlocky pop culture action action film stuff as that's well. the thing he works a lot um he does work a especially lot especially now he makes seven eight movies a year you can't spend 50 million dollars on dinosaur bones <laughs> it's true. Uh, if you do, if you don't want to work jim it's true it's true <laughs> those, bone, those bones and haunted mansions in louisiana those ain't mausoleums gonna, ain't gonna are not going yeah. hell no hell no <laughs> and then you gotta pay taxes on top of that that's another couple mm-hmm. of years you gotta work straight divorces oh my god the hits keep coming yeah, uh, it's a Superman hairline restoration project. It's just it's, it's so much money he's got to spend. I mean, he, he's got a whole set of new chompers now too, right? I mean, if you look at his teeth now, they're they're immaculate, oh, they're perfectly right. straight. They're yeah, yeah, yeah. No baby teeth to be found. No, uh, he's got canines in- now. All right, well, that'll do it for Moonstruck this week. Next week, we'll be back with the uh, patron selected risky business as the prestige film of the week. And then uh, the ones up for vote, if you're a patron, patron.com uh, slash bald move, is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, 2011's Life of Pi, and the film Lincoln, about President Lincoln, the guy on the back of the penny, or in the front of the penny. Yeah, not the back. That's his memorial. I keep mine. Uh, those- I keep mine eagles up. Keep yours eagles up. Yeah. We got the uh, Lincoln's down eagles up. We got we got that coming your way. If you're a patron, uh, executive producer level patron, you can have a say in which prestige film we do. Those are the slate that you can vote on. Uh, we'll be back with one of those three the week after. Uh, enjoy Tom Cruise and Risky Business. Until then, until the next time, until we come back, it's 2020. I'm a little rusty. I got the Christmas rust, the new the, the New Year's rust, the old year's rust. Shaking it off. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Risky Business. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.